everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. My co-host Kathy King and I want to welcome you to Writing Works Wonders. We want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder of writing. We are so glad you're here with us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders, Advancing Beyond Barriers, where we celebrate skills building and community among authors as they're reaching through barriers in an interactive podcast series. Your co-hosts are Cheryl McNeil Fisher and Dr. Kathy King. And I'm Dr. Kathy King, an author, editor, coach, and workshop leader. I've been a professor of adult learning and instructional technology for 25 plus years. And in retirement, I'm enjoying consulting and writing. I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher, and I've been speaking internationally for over 25 years to audiences of all ages on living with and working through challenges. I'm the author of seven early chapter children's books and just finished a memoir with a 95-year young lady. What a fabulous experience writing with and for someone to finish this project. I look forward to doing it with others in the future. I have two series with new releases coming out soon and many works in progress. Thank you again for joining us on Writing Works Wonders. To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Thank you for calling the ACB Radio and Information Line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. Today we have a special guest with us, Michael Gandy. He is a retired director of the Rehabilitation Center of the Blind in Mississippi. Wait till you hear about his writing, his stories. He's written almost a hundred books and he shares them so uniquely. Michael, I'd like to begin by you sharing with us how you started, what inspires you to write your stories and especially inspires you to share your stories the way you do. Absolutely. Uh, Very quickly, I belonged to ACB for many years. I was director of rehab services for the blind for Mississippi. Uh, actually twice. I started off as a rehab counselor and worked my way to the top of the program. I was appointed, then I was disappointed, which will happen occasionally in government, and then I ended up being reappointed. So that's my bona fides as far as working with the blind community. I had two family members who were blind as well. But as an avocation, I had been writing since 1989 
And I've done it in a little different way, as Cheryl, you and I discussed. I'm, uh, in fact, I'm not advocating anybody else do it this way. But I have a worldwide readership, and I didn't go through literary agents or publishers. I decided to step out of that line and do it a little differently. And I'll, I'll go ahead with that if you want, Cheryl, or if you want to ask questions back and forth, however you want to handle it. <laughs> well, not hearing from Cheryl, I'll go right ahead. If you hear something you like, if you hear the title of a book you'd like to uh, to uh, get or whatever, just contact me at thegandymysteries1 at gmail.com. Uh, that's how everybody can contact me. And uh, just about everything I write is free to the reader. So let's just go down how I'm doing this. And then uh, when Cheryl gets back on and wants to interrupt, please do that. Um, I write mainly short fiction, about 60,000 words or so. Um, small town mysteries, political mysteries, occasionally historical mysteries. I have some books in other areas, a biography, some collections of essays and travel books. But of the 94 books I've written thus far, 79 are these short mysteries. Uh, now, let me say, first off, I'm not uh, I'm not putting down literary agents or publishers. Two of my favorite places on the planet are bookstores and libraries. And so we would not have those without them. But I don't want a gatekeeper between me and my readers. And over 25 years ago, uh, I decided that I just didn't want to uh, have to wait to see whether or not my manuscripts met the business needs of somebody else. So I just decided to reach my readers directly. It's working. Right now, I have readers in 17 countries, in 34 of the U.S. states, and the District of Columbia. And it's kind of like the old British Empire. The sun never sets on my readership. And at any given hour of the day or night, somewhere in the world, someone is reading something I wrote. So how do I do it? Well, basically, I give my books away, mainly directly to readers. But in a couple of cases, I give them to a great group called the Friends of Handicapped Readers in, uh, in Mississippi, which benefits the Mississippi Talking Book Services. I've never made a penny off any of my books. I, I love giving them away. I'm not interested in book sales. I'm interested in people reading my books. So how do people get my books? Well, basically in four ways, through email, through Facebook, through talking books and audiobooks, and through ebooks. So let's walk through each of those. And again, if you want to get my books, I'm, I'm looking on my corner here and I see my friend Jan Hawthorne, who's one of my readers as well. Hello, Jan, uh, waving back at me. Um, it, you can contact me at the Gandhi Mysteries one at gmail.com if you want to be added as a reader. Now, let me tell you very quickly, you're not going to be added to a list where you're going to be getting solicitations. No one's going to hit you up to buy anything. There's no hidden agenda. I just want people to read my book, and they're doing that. So email. The Gandhi Mysteries Weekly Readers get two novels a year. It's a half chapter a week serialized. You get a weekly mystery fix. For those of you with screen readers, the text is actually in the email. You don't have to check on a link. It's actually going to come to you directly in that email. Two free books a year, mystery novels, and then at Christmas, I give you an ebook for free. Now, when the pandemic started, we had to stop recording talking books. And I realized that my earlier books, going back to 1989, weren't being read. So I started a new program on my bride's birthday, November 7th. Susan was born November 7th. And in 2020, I started the Gandhi Monthly Mystery because there are some people who don't want to read a serialized book. They want it all at once. So on that date, I gave away my first book, 
the number one, Murder and All of It, that I wrote in 1989 as a Word file. I'll send it to you by email for free. On December 7th, my second book. On January 7th, my third book, and so forth. We've just sent out the fourth one, and the fifth one's going to be given away uh, in a couple of days. But it is a Word file. It's an absolutely secure Word file. You get the entire book very friendly to screen readers, and that has been taking off like great guns. There are a lot of people interested in those books, and I have readers uh, from that one. I've got new readers from Finland and from India, and for some reason, the sea states, California, Colorado, Connecticut, uh, the Carolinas, I've, I've got people coming in for those. Now, every now and then, I'll run across somebody who's come across a serialized book, and they say, oh, I don't want to read it serialized. Will you just send me the book directly? Absolutely. I'll send it to you. If I've published it as an ebook, I'll buy the ebook for you. If you want the Word version, I'll send you the Word version. So, again, I'm not interested in book sales. I want people to read what I've done. Okay. So, let's move on to Facebook. How do I give books away on Facebook? Well, I want to tell you a couple of stories. Um, Back in 1978, when I was a wee nipper of 24 years, I backpacked across Europe, and I kept a very detailed journal. So when 2018 rolled around, I thought, wouldn't it be cool, 40 years to the day that I wrote those journal entries, to post them on Facebook? And by the way, I'd post a picture or two that I took that very day. So that's how my book, 40 Years On, came about. It was serialized on Facebook, and while I was serializing this, I was putting together the Word version, which included the pictures, and also an ebook, which included three times the pictures, to go on Amazon. It was too big for Barnes & Noble. But anyway, so my book, 40 Years On, was serialized on Facebook, and that started a series of travel books uh, to Barbados, to Israel. I'm thinking about doing one to Washington, D.C., but that's where it is right now. Um, but remember, my stock and trade are these mysteries. And so I thought about serializing mysteries, just ones that I picked at random that I liked. And I realized that February is a good month to do that. For one thing, the weather is lousy. Witness, witness the uh, weather we've just had in February. And uh, people are at home. The holidays are past. It's too early for uh, spring break. People would be willing to read a daily chapter. So my sound editor at Talking Book Services, Melvin Smitherman, recommended a small town mystery two years ago, and we serialized that. And then last year, I, I put a political mystery on. But this year was the real fun thing. And, I, and to do this, I need to give you a little personal history. Back in 1923, my grandfather, a fellow by the name of Mari Gandy, became the first director of my hometown YMCA. And he, oh, Jan has a cat. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Grandpa Gandhi, two years after he started this, founded a summer camp for boys. And it was named for the lumber camp uh, company that gave the land Camp Dantzler. And in my hometown of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Camp Dantzler is a legendary place. It's no longer there. Uh, the, the YMCA gave up the property years ago and it went back to the woods, but it was kind of like Brigadoon. It came out of the mist and then it went back into the mist. After the war, after World War II, my father got the job of running the YMCA, Jack Gandy. And so between the two of them, they ran the, the Y for 54 years. And this camp, my dad attended for 46 years as a camper and as director. So when I decided to set a mystery at that camp, I got my dad to help. This was in 1998. And we wrote this book together. And then uh, I, I put it with its prequel on Amazon and Barnes & Noble as an ebook. It's two coming-of-age mysteries. It's still out there. 
But I thought it would be fun this February with the pandemic and with all the bad weather for everybody to go back to summer camp. So I decided to serialize that on Facebook. And while I was doing that, I thought, you know, people might have taken pictures of the camp. I had some pictures that a former camper fellow named Milton Waldoff had given me, and I was going to put those on with the serialized chapters. But I asked for other people to do it as well on my hometown page on Facebook. So I put a notice that I was going to serialize this. I got 125 likes and loves to that one posting and 43 new Facebook friends in three days. So people were very interested in this. So, okay, I went to that Facebook page to the administrator and said, in addition to putting it on my page, can I put it on your page? And got an immediate reply, yes. And then I heard from another town just up the road from Camp Purvis, Mississippi, and the administrator of that was actually the niece of one of the caretakers of the camp. So we all went back to summer camp in February. People were contributing their stories. They were contributing their pictures. It was so much fun. And people ask, why do you give your books away? This is one of the reasons, because it sets up such a beautiful community. And I'm going to tell you a few more stories about that. But that was so much fun, and I promised them that I would I would mention this book, Whippoorwill, which, by the way, if you want Whippoorwill, contact me at thegandymysteries1 at gmail.com, and I'll send you a copy of Whippoorwill. I'll send you the prequel. That, my friends, is that, if you like. So anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, in uh, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Obviously, I'm not doing this extemporaneously. Um, one of the things I really love about not going through gatekeepers is the immediacy. And I want to tell you about a book I wrote called Viral. Um, I was out walking one day with our little mini schnauzer, and I thought about the pandemic that we're all living through right now and about the nature of a virus. A virus does two things. It moves from host to host, and in many cases, it kills the host. Well, what if you had an infection that wouldn't let you die, that in fact you would be at the point of death, but you could not die? Imagine the impact of that on insurance companies, on hospices, on hospitals. But suppose it went beyond that. Suppose that it affected different species differently and even within species so that one field full of cattle would turn carnivorous and they'd start eating rabbits and squirrels and another field would lose their horns. You'd have a herd of deer that would die. Over in, in Holland, the tulips would all turn silver. The Statue of Liberty would revert from its green patina back to copper color, and one night, the Great Wall of China disappeared. Well, I thought that would be a pretty good book, so I wrote it in about five weeks. My bride, Susan, and I edited it in about a week, and three days after we finished editing, I started serializing it on Facebook. This is what I love. There's nothing between me and my readers. I can get to them immediately, and that book, within three days of being edited, was out there. Okay, let's move on from Facebook and move to talking books and audiobooks. My grandfather, the one that that lost his sight, uh, that uh, founded the YMCA, okay, in 1923, lost his sight when he was 70 years old. He had a bad outcome after eye surgery. Well, he joined the State Library for the Blind, as it was called then, and loved the library. He loved getting, that's back when talking books were eight RPM records. They looked like a rotisserie turning there. But he loved his talking books, and so I love that library. And in fact, it was my grandfather's blindness that led to my entire career in blindness. Working with him led me to love wanting to work with people with blindness, and that's that's how I, I got the job there. So anyway, when I retired, I'd been keeping all this book writing kind of a secret. I went to the head of the library and said, would you record one or two of my books? 
She said, we'll record everything you wrote if you'll be the narrator. So I was paired with a very talented sound engineer, Melvin Smitherman. And in the nine years we recorded, we got about 77 talking books done. And uh, the, the pandemic stopped us from recording, but, but we were putting them out uh, as gangbusters. So if anybody here on this call is a talking book reader, we, we hadn't been able to get them to Bard, but you can get them through Interlibrary Loan. Ask your state talking book services to contact the Mississippi Talking Book Services and ask for Michael Gandy Mysteries, and they will get you in touch with somebody there who will be glad to send that out. I know we've got readers in Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Florida, and would love to have you listening to those books as well. But we went beyond that because I really love this library, and I want to, it's now called Mississippi Talking Book Services. I really want to support them. So we got an opinion, the library director got an opinion from our state attorney general. We said that we could sell these audio files to the general public as long as 100% of the uh, of the proceeds of the, from these books went to benefit Talking Book Services, which I love. I give my books away. So a group called Friends of Handicapped Readers gets these books. My bride, Susan, makes the covers. And we've been selling three new titles every year to raise funds, which through the Friends of Handicapped Readers helps the state talking book services. So that's one where I don't give it directly to the reader, but I do give it to the friends. Okay, let's move on to ebooks. Ebooks are published on Barnes Noble and Amazon under two series, the Gandhi Mysteries, the Gandhi Miniatures. Up until 2020, we used the royalties to pay for the materials we that my, my Susan used to create the covers. But this year, because of the pandemic, we just decided to donate the royalties directly to the Friends of Handicapped Readers. So again, I'm not making any penny from this, but the, the totals from the ebooks that are sold, and my books are generally in pairs. There are two Strong Women Mysteries, two Cape Cod Mysteries, uh, two Coming of Age Mysteries, which includes the Whippoorwill, the one I told you about, uh, two Presidential Mysteries. I've got two J Kennedy Assassination Mysteries, two Abraham Lincoln Mysteries, that sort of thing. Okay, so let me talk about how I am paid. I'm paid through all the rich interactions I have with my readers. Uh, my sister-in-law, Barb, who lives in Altoona, Pennsylvania, hello, Barb, uh, referred a reader from Australia who'd been a pen pal of hers named Jenny. And Jenny is a photographer. And she takes these, she's retired, and she and her husband travel around and take these beautiful photographs, so I get to see Jenny's photographs. A reader in India named Sushetta, I hope I pronounced that right, hello, Sushetta, is a newspaper editor, and she's a very strong women's rights advocate and, and has some very good newspaper articles that she shares with me, but she's also a gifted fiction writer, and she'll share with me her fiction as well. I've got a lady uh, named Kathy who lives in North Carolina who is a fantasy writer who shared some of her, her uh, manuscripts with me. There's a children's writer in Mississippi named Nancy, children's writer and illustrator, and she'll share her stuff with me. I've got uh, a, uh, some bloggers. One of my readers in Hawaii, Dave, is a long-distance hiker and blogger, and, and he writes some wonderful blogs about his hikes. There's a, a traveler who's just retired from Washington, D.C. and moved back to Iowa, and Karen has a blog called The Blather, and so she shares that as well. Uh, Cheryl uh, McNeil Fisher is sending me one of her books, and I can't wait to read that one when it shows up. So um, let me tell one more story, and then we'll open the floor for questions. And that is, people ask me, where are you inspired? Where do you get the ideas for your books? And sometimes they come from real-life crimes. I was speaking years ago to a Friends of the Library group, and 
somebody uh, came up afterwards and she said, she mentioned a particular crime that was well known in the town in which I lived at the time. Have you ever thought of creating a book, um, a novel based on this crime? And I picked up one of my audio books and said, here it is. I, I wrote the book. She said, well, my husband was the sheriff of the county where this happened and he has died, but the lead detective is still alive. And I would love for you to come over to the house and see my files on this case, talk with the lead detective, visit with my daughter, who I'd like to have in on this conversation. It was one of the best afternoons I've spent in my life. I got to meet the real life people involved with this case that I based my book on and learned all sorts of things that didn't make the news, but just had a great time. And that's how I'm paid. That's how, how I'm enriched by giving my books away. So anyway, if you're interested, if you want to read any of these books, if you want to be a weekly reader, if you want to be a monthly reader, or just want to contact me or share some of your stuff with me, it's thegandymysteries1 at gmail.com. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. And Cheryl, are you back on? I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been on and off, on and off a couple of times, I think, because the wind's blowing here. I don't know. It's something in the wind and the air and the Wi-Fi, whatever. But I'm okay. here. <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm turning it back to you. So you hold the floor for questions. Oh, thank you. I'm going to check in with Holly and see if we have any hands raised yet. Hey, Holly. Hello. Um, Hi. Raise your hands, guys. And I told you all how to do it before. Um, um, I have a question. Can yeah. I ask a question? I thought you would, and especially about camp, too. Oh, yeah. My question yeah. to you, sir, is are these mysteries like what they call cozy mysteries? I mean, so many mysteries I don't like to read because they go into graphic detail about blood and guts and murder, and, and I don't like those kind of books. Well, they're not exactly cozy mysteries, but I live in a world of women. I'm married to a beautiful lady. I have a beautiful daughter. I have three beautiful granddaughters, and I'm not going to put anything out there that would embarrass them, either violence-wise or sexually or anything like that. It's very mild. I think at most they would be rated PG. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I'm not going to put anything that that people – there's only one book that I did that, uh, that was a book about sexual obsession. But it was more the emotional aspects, and I certainly didn't didn't get into anything graphic because, like I say, I've got the three beautiful granddaughters that I want them to feel free to read anything. They are adult books. I'll give you that. They are adult books. But there's nothing that I wouldn't be afraid for my wife, my daughter, my grandchildren to read. Now, I'm just I'm always concerned because years ago I got this book, and I, from a friend said it was the best book she ever read in her life. And I read the introduction, and I still have nightmares from that book. And I never looked at that woman the same again. Now, what is, <laughs> what is your email address, darling? The Gandhi Mysteries One, number one, at mm-hmm. gmail.com. And it's all run together? All run together, lowercase. The Gandhi, G A N D Y, Mysteries <laughs> One, okay. at okay. gmail.com. Excuse me. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Let's let's see if we have any hands up. Oh no, there's no hands, guys. Okay. Well, you can also um, 
come on and share your uh, your prompt too. Um, uh, I'm looking forward, Michael, when you read um, Time Capsule mm-hmm. because I have I just recently. What's so interesting about this is I did it mainly, you know, for Denise, who, the lady who just turned ninety five, and I knew I needed to wrap it up once COVID hit. Because she was 94 and the um, nursing home, they, I, I don't even know how many cases they had over there. And I was concerned, you know, of losing her before sure. the book was published. So there's so many more historical things I'd love to put in it. So when I mentioned on this book was based in Westchester County and I went on one of the towns where she grew up, most of it is from. Um, I went on there and I shared about it and stuff. And of course, her husband was a walking mailman and he died very, you know, died young. But how, oh my gosh, it was amazing how many people started talking about Sal and and uh, the son and, and Denise and the family and stuff. And then some family members come up and said so. And so I'm really thinking of doing something similar with these facebook uh you know groups so i'm I'm interested to see how you, you know what you think when you read it um it's a very interesting story and i learn a lot i loved learning you know, like i never knew a plane hit the empire state building you know nobody mm-hmm. i've never heard anybody ever talk about that but in at the end of world war ii that happened and it was an accident but uh it was a major major you know took out some floors and fire and the people of course and it was a bomber plane one of our bomber planes and uh they were going either from massachusetts to new york or vice versa i don't remember the whole story but it was it was quite interesting and denise she was on a train heading into manhattan her the gone with the wind was you know new to her her aunt had it gave it to her she was reading that she looked up and everybody started yelling the plane was going to hit the empire state building but of course the train had to keep going so they didn't see everything and of course back then it was an instant 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 messaging so they didn't really know what happened till the next day when the newspapers came out and it made the headlines you know so when you think about what it was like um for back you know and then compared to now um i just loved it you know i loved learning these you know she worked down in the in the financial district next to tom watson and she didn't know she's just talking to him and stuff and then after everybody's like you know he was down there working on one of the computers and and her coach do you know who that was and she's like yeah tom (laughs) (laughs) tom watson from ibm like yeah okay well he's tom to me and then she said she laughed because she said he probably appreciated the fact that i didn't make a big deal of where who he was and we just had regular conversation as I was doing my thing and he was doing his. So, you know, I, I love, I would love to do more books with people, you know, their stories because I find it very interesting. So, yeah, that's, that was the, the great thing about the whippoorwill and because yeah. not, not only uh, the, the, the story being out there, it was a 23 year old book, which came back to life, but hearing other people's rem- reminiscences of camp mm-hmm. and some of them going back into the 1930s uh, yeah. and remembering their years when they were there. And uh, it was just a, a joyful experience. So yeah, I, I yeah. can understand why you would enjoy hearing those perspectives. 
gosh, yeah. I mean, because, you know, so many things we we have learned, I've learned over the years, or appreciated, you know, like the big balloons at Macy's, the parade. Mm -hmm. She was at the parade the first time there was a balloon at the parade. But what she remembers the most, because she was just a little girl, she was up on her daddy's shoulders. But how, when they they first had those balloons, they used to let them go because they didn't know how to deflate them. And then people (laughs) got a reward, whoever brought it back to Macy's. I just thought, wow, you know, it's just those little tidbits of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jan has her hand up. Jan Jack. Hey. Hi, we want to unmute yourself. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, yes Jan. Hey. I'm getting better. <laughs> uh, I've I've been kind of in and, and around. I I got groceries delivered and so um I missed whether or not Whippoorwill is a mystery. Yes, Whippoorwill is a mystery. It's actually a sequel to an earlier book called That, My Friends, Is That. And so the, the two are combined uh, on in the ebook. And I'm happy to send that. Whippoorwill will stand alone. You don't have to read That, My Friends, Is That. But I, I had someone who read them both that said you were enriched in reading Whippoorwill by reading That, My Friends, Is That. But there is a mystery there, and there is a surprise ending to it. Well, I just sent you a note that said I wanted that camp book, but I want both of them. I guess I should write you another note. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, and let me know if you want it as an ebook or if you want the uh, the word version. I need to know which version you want. I already did. Okay, very good. Yeah, if you want if you want them both, that's fine. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, I'm dying to I'm dying to hear them. <laughs> I'd like to know what it is about Mississippi that makes good writers. That's that is a thing that has always fascinated me because, you you know, you've got, oh, of course, William totally, William messes, totally messes up your brain. Faulkner. Right. Um, I can't think there's um, oh, she's from Alabama. Um, I love Southern literature. Yeah, Eudora Welty uh, lived yes. here in uh-huh. uh, in uh, Jackson. Uh, Jan knew Eudora. We all knew her. Uh-huh. Um, uh, William Faulkner, John Grisham is from here. Oh, Willie uh-huh. Morris, uh, lots of them. Greg Isles from uh, Natchez is a very good writer. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if it's in in the the. Um, the water, but it's it's not just writers. I mean, you know, James Earl Jones is from Mississippi. Jim Henson, who did the Muppets, is from Mississippi. Oh, just, oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. A bunch of creativity. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Darth Vader is from, is from Mississippi, but uh, Elvis Presley, of course, Leontine Price, the uh, the mm-hmm. opera singer, uh, Charlie mm-hmm. Pride, who just died, the mm-hmm. uh, the uh, one of the trailblazers in uh, black country music and uh, yeah. but yeah there's just an artistic nature i i don't know i think if you look at every state there there are artists mm. in each state but but we're very richly blessed in terms okay of jan yeah. okay jan you can unmute yourself dear i think it's because we are are primarily rural and there's not a whole lot to do at the end of the day <laughs> Um, I grew up with one TV station, and you either watched what was on it or found something else to do. That's a good point, Jen. Um, Is that where you are also, Jen? You're in Mississippi? Yes. yes. Mm. They know each other. Friends. Oh, okay. Okay. And she's Great. one of my readers. I'm sure you know several people in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Um, anybody else? Put your hands up. 
this is a great opportunity to hear about yeah. a truly original guy. I'm sorry, I'm eating, yeah. I'm eating, ca- <laughs> I'm eating candy. So I'm sorry you have to oh, hear my crunching oh, candy. Man. Are you gonna share? Are you gonna pass it around the room? They wouldn't like it. It's it's <laughs> starlight mints. It's very very minty. Uh, okay, all right. I know. Well, a lot of people have been talking about Girl Scout cookies too. I I didn't even think about them being out right now. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Just have the nerve. I just gotta say it. You know what? Mm-hmm. What they have the nerve to charge for those things? I don't know if it's the same in New York, but or mm-hmm. in Mississippi. Yeah, I kind of figured they were close to that. Oh my goodness gracious. Wow. Yeah, quite a bit. Mm. Mm. Well, I I know myself. I'm enjoying when when uh Sean Barrett is the one that uh connected me with Michael. And I I was so intrigued, Michael, when I read about you and what you do. I just started reading and and that is that no, and that my friends is that right. I just started reading that. Um, so I found that interesting. Yeah, I just, ha- I'm sorry, but I haven't gotten very far on it, but I did start reading it. Thank you for Good. sending it to me. And, um, hello, hi, this is Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Um, I think something's wrong with the hand raise feature. I couldn't find, that's why I just barged in. Okay. Um, it had like phone. thumbs up, thumbs down, smile. Are you on the phone, baby? I'm on an iPhone. So well, I, went I must to not have it on your phone, but that's okay. We'll let, we'll let yeah. you in. So that, you know what it is, Kathy? It's up at the top, but it, but up at the top, there must be those little hand, those little emojis up there, too, because Excuse they've me. changed the, the list. And I know it's up near the top, but if you go too far, then you get into those emojis. Hey, we're glad you're here. If you go to the more on your app, and then yeah. you will see the raised hand. Yeah, that's, that's what we're I talking about. I did yeah, more. There's emojis up the, there also. Yeah, there are emojis up there on the well, top. Anyway, very I'm, top. I'm really yeah, enjoying welcome. this call, and I'm sure there's millions of questions out there, but people are probably just as spazzy as me, and they can't find it. Mm-hmm. Are there uh, are there visually impaired or blind people in, in any of your books? Yes, there are. Uh, in fact, uh, in my second book, Tatters, um, one of the characters is blind because... She was uh, based on a real member of my family. Uh, my grandfather, who was the one that founded the YMCA, went blind in his later life. He had a sister who went blind as a six-year-old. And so she is a character. And, and one of the things I use her for in that book is to dispute some of the uh, myths that people have about blindness, you know, that their other senses are, are superpowers, you know, stuff like that, you know. And, and she, uh, you know, she says to somebody that, that says, I'd heard that, he said, no, I'm a person just like you. And, and she's very integral uh, to the plot of that book. And so uh, every now and then I will bring in a blind character if it fits within the uh, within the, the book itself. And all of my old books, if you become a monthly reader, you'll have access over about an eight, nine year period to everything I wrote. But uh, if you want that, I see your iPhone, KK Kathy. Uh, if, yeah. if you want that one, just email me at the Gandhi Mysteries one at gmail.com and I'll send you it's it's tatters is the name of the book and it's also uh there are five short stories attached to that one as well okay great thanks yeah sure Lynn and Carell you, okay go ahead Beth. Hi, go ahead hi. Uh, I'm sorry um 
Michael, I don't use it. I was so intrigued by what you said. You know, you act like your writing is a public good, and I really appreciate that because, you know, writing should be accessible to everybody. One of the things that I'm, I'm just writing for uh, my courses right now for a PhD program, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, um, you know, I've always written ever since I was a child. I wrote poetry mostly and writing. And now I don't have time right now. But, you know, I think that writing is such a gift and it's, it's a pouring out of your heart. What I've heard many times is that you write about what you know. Do you find that that's also true, that you write about what you know or people you know, um, stories that you've heard from other people? What do you have to say about that? Well, it started off that way. Uh, it, was, it started off based on particularly on crimes, local crimes that were interesting, you know, because I am a mystery writer. But... Uh, after a while, I developed a, a group of characters, and I would think about a particular situation and then build on that. But let, let me give you an, an instance, okay? Uh, the biggest event of my childhood, and I, I think people our age, was the assassination of President Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Me too. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was huge. Okay? I was in sixth grade. <laughs> well, I was, I was, uh, I would have been in fourth grade, okay, when that right. happened. But all right, one of the things. I'm one of those people who believes that Lee Harvey Oswald did it. Okay, so don't hold that against me if you don't. But, <laughs> well, I know he did it. But no, anyway. I don't think so. I think it was the mob and all that kind of stuff. But go ahead. Okay, no, well, you're let me not going to go right ahead, sir. He made, he made a critical <laughs> error because after after the assassination, when they pulled together all of the employees of the book depository, only one was missing. And that was him. He, he took off the front of the building, caught a bus, went across town to his boarding <laughs> house. They know that. I mean, there's, there's no disputing that he wasn't there when they did the lineup. Well, suppose this is, this is how I, I will find a plot. Suppose he hadn't done that. Suppose that he had decided to hide the gun better than he did. The gun was actually hidden just across the room behind some boxes. But suppose he found a place in the wall to stick it in and hide it where they couldn't find it. And he stayed. Now, imagine what would have happened that night when we were all following Uh the news about it if they didn't have someone to parade through the police station, if they didn't have a suspect, if if someone had shot the president and they didn't know know who did it. Yeah. He was hiding in plain sight. Okay, so that's where my book Escape came from. But I went one better on that. Everybody knows, or a lot of people know, that the first announcement on CBS was by Walter Cronkite. That is a very famous clip of Walter Cronkite. The person who first announced it on NBC was Don Pardo. The announcer from Saturday Night Live made the first announcement that the president had been shot. Okay, well, in in my rewritten history, NBC, because they don't have a killer, they don't know how long this thing is going to last. So they don't want to have Sander Van Oker or Ray (laughs) Sher or some of their their longtime news people just or heels in Dallas. So they send Don Pardo down there as his <laughs> shot at the big time. So he is my protagonist in that book, Don Pardo. And and he actually becomes acquainted with Lee Harvey Oswald, who he's trying to develop as a source within the book depository and doesn't realize that he's in touch with the real killer. So that's the way my mind works. I'll, I'll build oh, that's interesting. Something. I want that book, too. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. I, I, think, I, I mean, that's the, that's the creativity, I think, that, that yeah. writers do have, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Anybody who wants that, that that's okay, we've got- the weekly readers. But, Holly, send me another e- email and tell me yeah. you want to escape. Anybody that okay. wants to send it, and I'll go on and send it to you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, we got some more hands here. Abby Taylor. 
Could you raise your hand? Could you unmute yourself? Hi, Abby. Yes. Hi, Michael and, and Cheryl and Holly and everybody. Yes. Um, Michael, I'm just I'm just finding this quite fascinating. And I belong to an organization called Behind Our Eyes, which is a group of disabled writers. And I would love to have you as a guest speaker at one of our meetings via phone conference. So I will be, definitely be in touch with you about that. I do have one question. I came in a little bit late. Did yep. you say your books were serialized weekly or daily? No, they're no. Well, actually, yes, in both cases, and, and, and monthly. Let me tell you how that works. Uh, the weekly readers get a half a chapter a week, okay, two novels a year, and plus a free ebook at Christmas, which I give away. So that is the, the weekly readers. The monthly readers get an entire book in Word on the seventh of every month, the seventh being a nod of the hat to my bride, Susan, since we started it on her birthday, November 7th. The daily ones are in February. I will serialize a mystery in February with a daily chapter because people are stuck at home with bad weather this year with the pandemic. So the answer to that is yes. You can and you can join all three. You know, the, the daily is on Facebook and that's on my Facebook page. And I, oh, okay. okay. And, and so that's that. But the ones through email are the weekly and the monthly. And and okay. I've got people that belong to both. The Gandy Mysteries right. one at gmail.com. Got it. I thank you so much. I appreciate you answering that. Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you, Abby. Thank you. Okay, it's it's gone. It flew away to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Huh? Okay. Nella Foster, you can unmute yourself. Hey, um, and I it must have very beginning, so I apologize if you covered the stuff, but I'm curious about when and how you got started. How did you find your genre? And now that you are a successful writer, what is your discipline? Do you write every day, a certain amount of words, a certain amount of time? I'm just curious about all that. Okay, I started in 1989 because I was intrigued by a real-life crime that had happened. And let me tell you about this. There was a leading citizen of a small town, well, a medium-sized town, that was kidnapped. And... Unfortunately, this person's body was found a couple of weeks later, uh, and the autopsy horrifically revealed that this person had lived up until a couple of hours before the discovery of their remains. They had been alive that whole time. So I, that haunted me, and I thought about it for a long while, and then I thought, well, let's change it. What if you had somebody who wasn't kidnapped but left of her own accord, showed up a year later, freshly dead, and uh, put it in a small town? rather than a medium-sized town. And so that became my book, Murder and Olivet. And I was just compelled to write that story. And and then I wrote a second story based on a real-life crime that actually happened before I was born. I kept both those stories secret. I, I was very shy about being a writer. Even my, my bride, Susan, didn't know for two years that I'd written these books and five short stories until I finally came out and said, okay, I've, I've done this and, and I'll be brave enough to show it. Um, but anyway, I've been writing pretty continually since then. And what motivates me to write is I write like a mystery reader reads. I don't outline. I don't know the ending of the book when I started. I start off with a setup and I discover the plot as it goes along. And so it, it, finding the ending is what keeps me back keeps me coming back because i want to find out what happened next <laughs> and so that's that's what happens the discipline is this when i was working full-time i wrote 500 words a day five days a week two novels a year 
Uh, after I retired for a time, I wrote 2,000 words at a sitting, which was three or four days a week. Um, so I would write four, five books a year. I've recently cut back on that. That was starting to feel like a bit of a chore, and I'm very precious about my writing. I never want it to feel like I have to write. If I wake up one day and I don't feel like writing, I don't write. But I do about a thousand words at a sitting, and which takes me about 40 minutes. And when I'm done with that, I'm done for the day, but I'm thinking about it. The rest of the day, it'll occur to me. I'm not forcing myself to think, but something will say, well, you know, this would be interesting if that happened. And what I want to do is when you get to the end of the book, I want it to be a satisfying ending. I have a one-third rule. One-third of the way into the book, I want there to be enough true clues to where a really astute reader won't feel cheated when they get to the end of the book. You don't want something showing up seven-eighths of the way through the book. And the reader says, oh, if I didn't know that, I would never have been able to solve it. So one-third of the way into my books, if you're really paying attention, you should be able to figure it out. But I'm going to put in enough red herrings and false clues to make that very difficult for you. <laughs> That's funny. I, I Recently, I, now you, you mentioned John Grisham. Everybody thinks he's a great writer. But I, when I sit and I used to have to correct stuff as for part of my job. And when I'm sitting there correcting his grammar errors, I figure maybe I'm seeing something that nobody else sees. But that's not what, what I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, I never try to figure out. I guess I'm, that's why I'm not a good mystery reader. I never try to figure it out. I figure if I figure it out and it's the right person, then I've, I've ruined the enjoyment of the rest of the book. I failed. If you figure it out, I've failed because I've given you a predictable ending. I want you to yeah. think you figured yeah. it out, and right. then I'm going to disabuse you of that. But but no, that is the writer's fault. That's not your fault. If you get there and you've got a predictable ending, that's poor writing in my mind. Miss <laughs> Sean Barrett, you can unmute yourself. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sean. Hey, hey, Sean. Hi there. Mind meeting now? Yes, you are there. Well, you know, since Cheryl has given me a little credit, and since you've done such a great job, I'll take even more. <laughs> Uh, this has been really fascinating. I've, I've known Mike Gandy for a long, long time, and a lot of this stuff I didn't even know because he doesn't talk much about the writing and the process. You really answered my question about, you know, do you know the ending when you start and that kind of thing, letting it evolve. That that fascinates me. I don't I don't think I have any of that in me, but um, this has been a wonderful program, and um, you've done more than what I thought you were going to do, and you might have to get uh, Susan some help if you if you're been, you might need an, another administrative assistant to answer all these emails. <laughs> oh, that's um, me. Susan doesn't do that. That's that's on me. <laughs> um, it's ten forty nine for your information. Uh, Great, thank you, thank you. I like the idea that you don't know. Man, sorry. Um, uh, that you don't know the ending some, when you're writing because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's where I would struggle so many times when I thought about writing a mystery or something. It's, I just can't do the outline. I can't, I, I'm that type of person that I like to think about, you know, it's going to evolve and see where it goes because, you know, even when I was doing time capsule, I've shared this many times. I did not have the first chapter until I got to the end. I kept putting up there at the first chapter, chapter one, it said, 
to be, you know, to be continued or whatever I wrote, we'll be, come back to it. I didn't have a title till the end, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I was writing for someone else, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, I like that. Thank you. And that's why it's important. I think that we have authors on here with us that we all have different ways of writing. Some write every day. Some are, have this, this, and this. And what I have found just recently, this, this past Two week, two weeks. I've really been using my um, recorder, and uh, and I felt like my brain was full one day. And I went and I laid down. Well, and I just all of a sudden my brain started had all these things, but it was healthy, you know. And I just picked up my my phone and I recorded the information in, and and I did it into a word document. And I've done it twice this week, and wow, you know. So just keep evolving and i think that's if we put ourselves in a box we are limiting our creativity so i so appreciate this michael well thank you cheryl i i I appreciate that as well and and it's you know one of the things is if if you write incrementally as i do Mm -hmm. when you come to the end you do have to go back and do some rewriting on the beginning because sometimes you foretold something that doesn't happen Right. And, and or you've set up a, a, a clue in the plot holes. And that's where, mm-hmm. where my Susan is so helpful to me because she can identify mm-hmm. plot holes or something that's fuzzy writing or stuff like that. And you need to have that outside ear. Yes. To what you've written yeah. to. And, and she's um, she's, you know, been so helpful through the years with that um, in, in giving me that that uh, that ear of this doesn't work or that could yeah. be clearer. Or you've already yeah. stated that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, what I'd like to do is see if anybody else has any hands, Holly, or they like I'm to looking. share the prompt. It's, we're getting down to the wire, folks. Anybody yep. that's got uh-huh. a question, raise your hand. Uh-huh. Diana Noriega, go ahead. Hi, Dan. Hi. Um, no, I was responding to your question if if I'd written anything for the prompt. Yes, please let us hear it. I got okay. I got Annie. See, Annie's in a voice voice message today. I didn't finish mine, unfortunately, but because I just I needed yeah I just didn't. But oh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> okay, this is called this is called the old milking stool. I have a green milking stool that was given to me by an elderly friend of mine when she moved from her farm into a senior residence. It has been made by a friend of hers as a wedding gift over 60 years earlier. Leaving her apple farm was a great wrench, and she knew her sons had no interest in all of the old things that meant so much to her. The stool has resided in my garage, the playroom, and moved with us from Oregon to Colorado and now to Missouri. It was given to me when my daughters were a toddler and an infant, and they are now in their 40s. It now stands near the work island in my kitchen. My husband uses it to sit on as he prepares vegetables for a salad or cooks as his legs are no longer strong enough to stand for long periods. It's a sturdy, homely, and will never bring a high price at an antique sale, but for over 100 years... It has given people a place to park their behinds while they worked or when they needed to sit down to cry, to ponder, or dream. It stands firmly on its four legs, has no loose joints, and doesn't creak or wobble. 
It was made as a gift of friendship, passed along as a gift of love. I will try to choose wisely the young friend I hand it over to someday. Not everyone will appreciate this oh. handcrafted, humble piece of furniture created by hardworking, simple people. My friend Faye also gave me her Perkins Braille writer that she used as a transcriber before her hands became too arthritic. It was made over 45 years ago and has only needed to be sent to be cleaned twice. Some things are just made to last and meant to be useful and reliable. Their beauty lies in their functionality and durability. These are things too often missing in goods and products in our current throwaway society. Oh, that's Thank lovely. You. Thank you. That's lovely. Yeah, that's lovely. thank you. I didn't finish mine because I was trying to do it in a poem. <laughs> I wrote it in a story. I have a clock. My clock, the first thing you see when you come in the door uh, is eight feet from ceiling to floor. And it's a, it's a grandfather clock that is um, over 200 years old. So, <laughs> and it's in um, perfect, great condition. So, anyway, go ahead. We have um, Derek. Would you like to? Okay. Would you like to yeah. unmute yourself and talk? We're running closer. Go ahead, yes. Derek. Hi. Hi. Good afternoon. Um, I'm sorry, but I just joined the meeting. I didn't realize it was on. But I was wondering mm -hmm. if there's any way that this will be podcast or anywhere I can find it, uh, you know, later on. Yes. Yes, it will be. Yes. It will be. Yes, it will be. Give okay. it about a week or so, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Takes about a week. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. You know, I had mm -hmm. I had a prompt, but you know, after that one, that would be from the sublime to the ridiculous. I'm not going to. Oh. <laughs> oh, come on, Holly. Come on, Holly. I, I love the your, things you write. <laughs> I loved your song the last time. I want a copy. I want, can't wait to rehear that one. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, uh, I didn't. I, it takes me too. It'll take me too long. I didn't bring it All up. Right. It's in my file. Well, it'll take me too you're long. You're going to have time. to share with us the next time, okay? <laughs> sure, I will. Yes. <laughs> Just like it's I'll about share ten fifty-six, my dear. Okay, we have about four minutes. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Michael, before we wrap up? I mean, well, it's been so wonderful. I'm so happy you're here, and and this has been enlightening to all of us. This has been a, this has been a joy for me, uh, just connecting with people, which is, like I say, one of the reasons why I, I, I write is because of the connections with people. And I've totally enjoyed uh, being a part of this group with you today. And hopefully some of you will become readers. And, uh, you know, if it's your cup of tea, you'll stay. If not, uh, we'll visit for a little while and then you'll go your own way. But I've had a lot of fun. Let me do, we're talking about things people have written. Let me read you a four-line poem of mine. Okay. Alas, the poor alarm clock. A terrible life have you. We hate you when you don't work. We hate you when you do. <laughs> Thank it's, you. That's it's, really great. That's charming. <laughs> great to leave, a, leave us with. And uh, Deanna has a new book out on Amazon that's really great um, that a lot of us are reading. So 50 Years with oh, Friends. 50 Years of Walking with Friends. With Friends, yes. Yes. So you need to check that out sometime, Michael. But thank you so much for being here. And I think you've made a lot of new friends and some new readers as well. So thank Great. you so much. Thank you and, for uh, having me. Yeah, and thank you, Debbie, for being here with us. And thank you, Holly. It's always a pleasure. You guys. Thank you. Yes. And, um, 
what are we going to do? You know what we're going to do in two weeks so we can look forward to it? Uh, is Sean still on? Let me see. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, what's Karen's last name? Karen? Karen Brown. Karen Brown will be on with us in two weeks. Who is and, she? Uh, she's Karen? another author. Go ahead, Sean. Karen is from Mississippi also. She's the former director of the Addie McBride Rehabilitation Center for the Blind. She's got a former guide dog user. <clears throat> she writes, um, she's written two books, one called Sandpiper, which is kind of a better life. And the other one is called Go With Your Dog, which she talks about lessons that she learned from her guide dogs. Hello, this is Karen Brown. I've been listening to Mike Gandy. Oh, <laughs> so I, I kind of uh, just found out about it uh, halfway through the program. I came back to my computer and saw the link. So great talk, Mike. Thank you, Karen. Good to hear from you. Well, there she is, folks. She'll be with us it, in a couple of weeks. Okay. Looking Thank forward you. to it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. I'll be with y'all in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you for joining us today. Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. Now tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. We also have a donate button, and that's to help with the expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this show and podcast going. There's a link there that you can tap on that will take you directly to our website at www.writingworkswonders.com. There you will find all the information we talked about today, along with show notes and so much more. We want you to feel encouraged and inspired to know the wonder of writing. And until next time, our friends, Keep on writing. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.